Welcome to Urban Dharma, the podcast, where suffering is optional. Hi, this is Reverend Kusla coming to you from downtown Los Angeles, from the International Buddhist Meditation Center in the heart of Koreatown. Well, it's a pleasant September afternoon in downtown Los Angeles, and the podcast you're about to hear is uh, an answer I gave to the question, What are the benefits of meditation? The Wednesday night class met last night, and we had some new people visiting us, and this was one of the questions. So what you're about to hear is my answer to that question. Now, I've tweaked the volume of the, of the question, so you should be able to hear the question clearly, and then I used the regular volume for the answer. So the question and the answer volumes will be different, just to warn you, uh, but I'm getting the hang of it now, and uh, it should be easier to listen to. So without further introduction, my answer to the question, what are the benefits of meditation? That's good. Can I ask you a question about meditation? I know you really addressed it. Please. Um, is it, what has meditation given to you? Because I, I hear about people like, um, uh, the Lakers coach, and he says that it's the difference between winning nine championships and winning none at all, that he couldn't have such an amazing coaching career without meditation. And um, you hear about, you know, other athletes and other very successful people with med- meditating, and I was just wondering if you could tell me. Yeah, and even some singers, you know, and yeah, some, you know I, I, And I always just wonder why exactly, or if you have any experience with it, having success for you not not financial success necessarily but just quality of life yeah that's a really good question and 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 I'll, I'll tell you the story of my meditation and that will probably uh, that might uh, give you the answer that you're looking for and so um, you know when I first started meditating I was reading some books on meditation and I too f- read that some people really got a lot of stuff from it you know, even to the fact of being able to see, like, different realms of existence and remember past lives, and I'm going, oh, man, that is so cool. You know I mean, if I meditate long enough, I'll be able to see all my past lives, see into the future, I'll be able to hear things that nobody else can hear, you know? Oh, man, that's worth practicing. So I had all these ideas of, of what I was going to do when I got all these, you know, supernormal powers. And all I had to do was meditate. And so I figured out what kind of meditation I wanted to do, and that was meditation on the breath, because yeah, that seemed to be the easiest one for me. I, I didn't need any, you know, candles or statues or pictures to look at. I always, you know, had my breath with me wherever I went, and if I'm, you know, on the side of the road someplace with a blown tire and no spare, I could just meditate and make the world peaceful again, you know, till the tow truck showed up. Uh, so, so there I started. I had all these ambitions, and I had the, all these goals. And, and I started to get pretty good at meditation, actually, and started to really experience some, some unusual phenomena. Very unusual. And, and, you know, and this was not drug-induced. You know, this was just happening because I was sitting quietly for long periods of time. And um, on occasion, I did hear things that other people didn't hear. But I didn't... Uh, think it was God. Uh, I just thought it was my mind, you know, doing strange things. And, 
And I actually saw things that uh, were just so unusual, colors and shapes and, and things. And I'm going, wow, this is so cool. And I wanted to even get more of that. I wanted to go even further. Well, how far can you go? Can you go so far that you'll never come back again? And you'll be in this like land of bliss. And I'm going, oh, that wouldn't be so cool. Everything would always be good all the time. And so I continued to practice and, and, and get even more serious and use different techniques and, and, and even have more experiences. The problem with the experiences is it really didn't lead to anything. They were just experiences. You know, like going to the ocean and watching a sunset. Well, yeah, I mean, it's priceless. Can't put a price on that, can you? But what's that going to do for you in your life? Is it going to, you know, find you a job or make you successful, important, or whatever you want to do? Not, that sunset will not do any of those things for you. It's, a, it's an experience. So all those experiences in my meditation practice, I came to realize, were simply experiences because I was meditating. And I, w- and I was doing certain techniques that, because those techniques were done well, I had certain conditions arising. So I, I said to myself, well, I want to get the most advanced technique I can find. And I'm going to start reading some books. And I'm going to see what other people have done and where they've gone. And, and I want to be as, more, as, as advanced as I can be in my, in my skill and my technique. And so I, I started to read some more books. And I started to practice in a little different way. And, and after literally after 10, 12 years of meditation practice, I finally hit upon the most advanced and subtle form of meditation practice that's available today. And I'll share it with you right now. And it's called Just Sitting. That's it. And so, nothing happens. Nothing happens. You just sort of sit down and you become like a pane of glass. You become transparent. And you sit there and the whole world goes through you. And you don't cling or grasp or hold on to anything. You don't try to avoid or push away anything. You just sort of sit there while the flow of life goes through you. And then you get up and have a cup of coffee or go out of the house or start your motorcycle, do whatever you're going to do. And then you come back and sit down and be the pane of glass again. And, and what I found in doing that was that allowed me to simply accept the present moment exactly the way it was. Not needing it to be any better not fearing it getting any worse, but just simply sitting down and being with what's happening right now. And if I'm able, because of that practice, then to take that into the world and go to Denny's on Vermont and look at Denny's as being perfect, exactly the way it is. Service sucks, food's about a C plus, but in that there is perfection to be able to see and be with that perfection, you know? To, to watch President Bush and Chavez and see the perfection in both of them. And go, wow, yeah. So that's sort of what meditation does. It, it allows you to see the perfection in every moment without needing to change anything. I don't know if that's really worth all the time or not if you're young and healthy. But I think if you're like old and dying, 
I think it would be really useful to be able to look at the world as simply being perfect, just the way it is. And then as that last breath exits your body, the meditator actually sees the last breath leave the body and is aware that the next one doesn't come in. And yet, at that very moment, there's no fear or anxiety. There's acceptance mm -hmm. and an understanding that it is perfect. So, I can see the potential of this practice in, in our everyday life. And I can see the potential because, as we found out in the sixth verse, everybody has to die. None of us know when. It's just a matter of time. So, this practice allows us to accept the present moment in all its perfection. Does that make sense enough? Does it sound like something you'd want to do? Does it? Okay. Okay. Well, you're not going to win nine games, though. You know? Yeah, nine championships. <laughs> nine <laughs> championships, that's it. Yeah. Well, I, I, I guess there is, I could see, I definitely can see the power in accepting of what is in front of you because then you're happy. Yeah. Exactly. So it's, I mean, that goes with your end of suffering. It's, yeah, and if there's no suffering, then what's left? Well, you're happy. So we end our suffering, and then all we have left is, is our happiness. So even though we really focus a lot on life sucks, and we all suffer, and then you die, the, the message in that is that, ah, you're happy, and then you die. <laughs> Now, that may not be such a big payoff, but, but I think, it, I, I think to, for a lot of people, I know I, I've only helped a few people die, and, and they were Buddhist. And when I helped them die, Buddhism was such a wonderful vehicle for them because it allowed them to get to the place they needed to be in order to die well, you know, and not scream and, and curse and say, why me, and I'll never play another golf game the rest of my life, and how can I, you know. And I love my family, and I like my cars, and i got to love all those behind. Well, every day that you meditate for 15 or 20 minutes, you're practicing leaving all that stuff behind. But only for 15 or 20 minutes. So you're not going to be playing your guitar, you're not going to be driving your car or motorcycle, and you're not going to be petting the cats, and you're just going to be sitting there. So you're in these little incremental bits and pieces, you're sort of like practicing letting go of everything forever, which is what sort of death is. Because I don't think the body is going to mind a whole lot. You know? I think the mind will mind a whole lot. <laughs> but the body doesn't even know it's even alive, does it? You know? It just sort of does what it does. You know? Our bodies are really dumb. But this mind... So the, so the biggest part of dying, I think, is, the, is, the, is our, when our mind dies. Conscious death. You know? And, and, you know, and there's that struggle of trying to, you know, make amends. And, well, if I can only have one more day, I'll be a really good person. Just give me one more day, you know. And for a Buddhist, it wouldn't work because we have no one to petition to give us one more day. We have karma. We have this sort of cause and consequences, sort of natural law. And when conditions are correct, we die. And when conditions are correct, we live. Uh, the Buddha said to his monks, uh, there are four requisites that you need in order to stay alive. You need clothing, and you need food, 
and you need shelter, and you need medicine. So those are the four requisites of a monk. They need those four things to be a monk and to be a live monk. Um, if we lose any of those things for too long, uh, we, we, we die. So how long, on, if we stop drinking water, I think we're good for seven or eight days, and then we die. And if we stop eating, we're good for like maybe 30 or 40 days, in my case, maybe 50 or 60. Um, if we don't have shelter, it's just a matter of time until the sun gets us or the cold gets us. And if we don't have medicine, you know, um, the Buddha was wise. He said, you know, one of the things about being born is we always get sick. So if we don't have the proper medicine, uh, we'll be dead. And you look at these third and fourth world countries around the world who don't even have like penicillin or aspirin and they're dying like flies. And you just go, all they need is what we take for granted, where we can go to any, you know, drugstore and buy. And they don't, they don't have access to it, so they have to die. So you can see it's, we're, we're living in sort of a precarious way being a human being. You know, one of my favorite movies is The Wizard of Oz. But it was really scary because they had the lions and tigers and bears, and what did they want to do? They all wanted to kill you. And then when I go out to the park, even if I go to Griffith Park, I know there's you know, uh, poison ivy around every corner just lurking, waiting to attack me. And then there's these poisonous spiders and these snakes hanging from the trees just waiting to get me. And I cautiously go and, and go around, and I, and, I, and I look at Mother Nature, and I look at Mother Nature as just wanting to kill me. And it's my job to stay alive, you know? And so, and I have no, you know, skills in the wilderness. I mean, I'd be dead in a week if I just was left out there. So, I appreciate the fact that this life is very difficult. And uh, in the urban environment, too, if you're like a nature person and, and you come and live here in downtown Los Angeles, you probably, you know, you see the graffiti and, and the drugs and the way people drive and, you know, the bad food. And you just go, how can people live there? Why aren't they all dead? You know, so we all learn the skills necessary to stay alive, but it requires us to be involved, and and that's one of the things that I think we get caught up in is we've made it, you know, 50 years, 60 years. Oh, look how good I'm doing! I haven't been killed yet. I'm going to live a really long time, you know. And then the very then the very next day, bang, you're gone, you know. <laughs> but we have that illusion because we've done it so long, so well that we it's going to continue. And it's going to be something really big that's going to take us down. And generally, it's not, from what I've seen. It's the little stuff that gets us. We're crossing the street. Bang! You know? It's not like, you know, the plane crashing. I'm always afraid when I get on planes that that one's going to crash. But I, I don't need to be, because they, they seem to be somehow defying gravity very well. And it doesn't go down. And I'm fine. And I feel, I feel more safe on my motorcycle. And I know statistically I should be scared out of my mind every time I get on my motorcycle. And should be joyful when I go into the plane. Because it's one of the safest places to be. But the mind, you know, the mind's tricky. It doesn't work the way it's supposed to sometimes. So I need to be reminded that I'm lucky to be alive. And while I'm alive, I need to get certain stuff done. And ironically, if you think today's your last day, you seem to get more stuff done. There seems to be a certain urgency in your life that's maybe, you know, not there when you think you've got a long time to do your stuff. I'll come back to it. I'll update the website tomorrow because I've got plenty of time. Or I'll send out the newsletter later because I've got plenty of time. 
or I'll make the next podcast maybe next time I speak because I'll have something better to say. And But I may not have anything at all to say next time. I don't know. So um, meditation allows us to come to a place of acceptance with all that stuff and just be present in a calm and clear way, in a wise and compassionate way. And that's how I see it. That's why I see the real strength of Buddhism. It's designed to make us self-contained. And, and that may not sound like a, a, a wonderful thing, especially you know, if you're in a relationship and you have wife and kids and grandkids and all those things and you realize all oh, families are so wonderful and I'm so happy to have a family. But we come into this world pretty much alone and we're going to leave this world pretty much alone, no matter how many family and friends we have. And, and so this is a way of being even healthier in relationship and not being codependent and, and insecure, and, and, uh, but being coming from a place of wisdom and compassion. And, and I think that is a wonderful aspect of meditation, too. It allows you to be better in relationships. It doesn't allow you to get better relationships, but when you finally get in one, you're better. <laughs> You may still pick the wrong people, but you know. <laughs> but at least you'd be better with the wrong people than you were before, you know. <laughs> so those are the kind of things I would emphasize when I practice meditation. Those are the kind of things I look forward to in my life when I when I sit on a regular basis and see it manifesting in my everyday life. That sometimes in in our backyard, you may not have seen it, but we have you know we have, we have a little koi pond back there, and we have like little trees and. And a lot of stuff. But today I saw two butterflies. And I, I, was, I just came back from lunch and I was pushing my motorcycle and I just had to stop. And I just looked up and I saw, I watched the butterfly for just a moment, just fluttering. And just how wonderful that was, you know? And then I just parked the motorcycle and went in and started working on the website, you know? Uh, but it was just that moment that I, was, I had the chance to be aware of just the perfection of that one moment. I wasn't racing to get someplace. I didn't have an agenda. I wasn't, you know, fearful of what I didn't do. I just was in that wonderful moment of the butterfly fluttering. Absolutely no value at all for anybody except all the things, you know. I guess the butterfly didn't think it was a good day or a bad day, just another day. But I could appreciate it. I thought, this is really great. On to the next thing. And I think that's what meditation has allowed me to do. You just sort of notice those small things uh, in, 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 in a way that reconnects me to the environment, to the whole world. Uh, last night on uh, PBS, they had uh, the uh, first space capsule that orbited the moon. And uh, what a remarkable adventure that was. And that wasn't the people that landed there. Those were the ones that found Tranquility Base. And so they just orbited it and they would, you know, sort of mapped it out and then they came back. But we, nobody had ever done that before. And the Russians were really uh, far ahead of us. Remember the good old days when we didn't have terrorism, we had communism? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And so the communists were, you know, they had the first person in space, the first orbiting, they got the first woman in space, they had two space capsules at the same time in space. I mean, they were just kicking our butts, you know. 
But Kennedy got up there and said, we're going to land on the moon. And, you know, <laughs> he was going, yeah, let's land on the moon. And, you know? <laughs> so this remarkable event of these people, these three guys in this little capsule circling the moon. And they, and they had this one picture, and everybody's seen the picture at some point in time, of the moon and then the earth just behind the moon, just way off the distance. And the, the, the blackness and emptiness of space. And that's our little vehicle. And it's just so, it puts things into perspective. And you just go, wow, those were remarkable times. Those were really cool times when we were exploring the unknown. And, and, and you could see humankind coming together in this when you realize we're all stuck in the same place. And, and we sort of lost that perspective, I suppose. We've become cynical and, and you know, and everything. And there's nothing new anymore except maybe the iPod. The latest version, Generation 6, is out now. Better battery life. Okay. Now that's what I'm talking about, you know. <laughs> so those things sort of are exciting now. But, but it brought back all those memories I had. And I can remember in 69, you know, watching the, the, you know, the landing on the moon. I'm glued to the TV set. It was all black and white. I was very disappointed, but it's all... I'm just glued going, this is something I've read about in science fiction novels for years. And I lived long enough to watch it on TV. That was so cool. And that just... You know, I just felt so good about humankind being part of the human race. And I tell you, in the last couple of years, I really haven't felt very good about being part of the human race, being part of humankind. But my meditation practice allows me to come to acceptance with that too. That, yeah, I'm them and they're me. And all those people I don't like, those are actually parts of me that I don't like. And what I need to do is like them so I can like myself and be happy. And meditation practice gives me that perspective that I don't get from anything else in this world, or anybody else. You know, you listen to the, the preachers and the teachers, you know, and, and you know, hellfire and brimstone, and, and you just go, it's all about separation. It's all about us and them. And Buddhism says, no, no, no. No, it's not about us and them. It's about us. Because there's no them. They're us and we're them. We're all connected all the time. And it took me a while to figure that out. But that message sort of stuck with me. So when I see the guy fixing the car out in the street, I'm going, yeah, that's part of me, fixing that car out in the street. Is it right or wrong? Well, I don't know. I don't know. You know, at one time I did know. But I, I, I don't know so much anymore. Which is why I enjoy watching The Untouchables on Channel 56, 8 o'clock every night. Elliot Ness, Robert Stack, getting the bad guys. Because you know what? You know who the bad guys are. And you know who the good guys are. And it's so clear. <laughs> and, and it's even in black and white. It's not even in color. And then you look out there and you don't know. I don't know anymore. Do you know? Who's the good guy? Who's the bad guy? I don't know. I, I look in the mirror. Am I the good guy? Am I the bad guy? I don't know. But not knowing seems to be a sign of wisdom from what I've read. <laughs> and meditation allows me to be comfortable not knowing. That's another aspect of it. It's okay not to know. You know? And when we think we know, that's pretty much what we think. 
You know, it's just that's our way of looking at stuff. You know, I know that the Democrats are better than the Republicans, but I also know the independents are even better than the Democrats. Okay. So what does that get me? A free cup of coffee at McDonald's? Not a thing. It gives me an opinion. It gives me a perspective. Do I know that to be true? No. I know that to be an opinion I hold until it's proven wrong. And then I'll have to sort of put some more opinions together. That'll be my next one. So meditation allows me to go through this process over and over again, you know, knowing, not knowing, feeling comfortable with both. And also, I think most importantly, having a sense of humor about the whole thing. Not taking it too seriously. Because one day I'll be pushing up daisies. And all those really serious things I have to deal with will be insignificant. Won't mean a thing. There you go. So, long answer to a short question, huh? Wonderful answer. Thank you. And we're almost time. It's almost we have to call it a night. It's gone by quickly. I hope you weren't too uncomfortable. And come back if you feel so motivated. And if you don't feel motivated, have a great life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no pressure here. So. so what we end with is a loving-kindness meditation. And so why don't we... And I do the speaking and you do the listening. And uh, we'll sit in a in a in a meditative way. Was, or you don't have to. You can just put your legs out there. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. This is this is called metta. Metta means loving kindness. May those of us who have come together tonight in mind and heart be happy, peaceful and free from suffering. May no harm come to us. May no difficulties come to us. May no problems come to us. May we always find fulfillment. May we also have patience, courage, understanding, and determination to meet and overcome the inevitable difficulties, problems, and failures in life. May our parents, our partners, our brothers and sisters, our friends and relatives, all the people we don't know, all the people we don't like, may they too be happy, peaceful, and free from suffering. May no harm come to them. May no difficulties come to them. May no problems come to them. May they always find fulfillment. May they also have patience courage, understanding, and determination to meet and overcome the inevitable difficulties, problems, and failures in life. From the highest realm of existence to the lowest, may all beings arisen in any of these realms with form and without, with perception and without, with consciousness and without, May they too be happy, peaceful, and free from suffering. May no harm come to them. May no difficulties come to them. May no problems come to them. May they always find fulfillment. May they also have patience, courage, understanding, and determination to meet and overcome the inevitable difficulties, problems, and failures in life.
May the suffering ones be suffering free. The fear struck, fearless be. May the grieving shed all grief. May the sick find health relief. Well, that's it. That was my answer to the question, what are the benefits of meditation? Hope you found it interesting. Hope you found it useful. If you'd like to know more about me, please visit my website, kusala.info. That's K-U-S-A-L-A dot info. If you'd like to listen to more podcasts and see a video or two, visit dharmatalks.info. That's dharmatalks.info. I have all my podcasts on that webpage, uh, plus some videos that you might find interesting. Um, if you'd like to email me, my address is kusala at urbandharma.org. That's kusala at urbandharma.org. And I'll get back to you just as soon as I can. Well, until the next podcast, until the next time, be happy, be peaceful. And most of all, be free from suffering.